Well, good morning, Northies. It's great to be with you again this morning. We're going to go straight into uh, Philippians chapter 4 as we continue our series on joy. And I'm speaking to you this morning on joy for life. And so we're going to pull out some uh, familiar scriptures and um, we're going to have a good time. Okay, Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The first point I want to leave with you today is that rejoicing is based on knowledge. It's not based on circumstances. James wrote, Consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various kinds of trials, because you know that the trying of your faith produces patience. It wasn't the the various kinds of trials that produced the joy. It was the knowledge that God was with us in trials that produces that joy. In fact, the church in Philippi was birthed in the joy of the Lord. In Acts chapter 16, we read the story of Paul and Silas. You'd be familiar with this, many of you. They are in prison, having been beaten in Philippi for sharing the good news. The Bible says around midnight they were singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Such a demonstration of joy. I don't know how they did it. But you see, their joy was not based in their circumstance. It wasn't based in where they were. It wasn't based in what was happening, what was not happening. It wasn't even based in what they were feeling about it. Their joy was based in the fact that they knew that God was about to shake Philippi. Writing to Timothy some years later, Paul writes, For I know in whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. The Bible says rejoice in the Lord. It doesn't just say rejoice. It says rejoice in the Lord. Our joy is not in the trial. Our joy is not in the circumstance. Our joy is not in our feelings. Our joy is not in our emotions. Our joy is centered on knowing the Lord. There's three areas where we can know him. Firstly, we know his attributes or his worth Those things that separate God from us. It's the thing that makes God, God. The fact that he's he's omnipresent. He's um, omnipotent, all-powerful. He's all-knowing. The second area is we know his his sorry, his attitudes, his ways, the way he moves, the way he walks, his character, his nature. And then thirdly, by knowing his actions or his works. We know what he does. We know the way he works, the way he moves in situations. And we learn this by getting to know him. No wonder Paul wrote to the uh, the Philippians a little bit earlier in chapter 3. He said that I might know him. That was his great uh, prize that he was looking for. It was his goal. It was his determination to know the Lord. Peter, writing some years later to the church at large, said, But grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. So firstly, joy is a product of knowing the Lord. The second thing I want to talk about today is the fact that knowing the Lord is a product of revelation. In John chapter 1, John writes, No one has ever seen God. The one and only Son, who himself is God, 
has revealed him to us. Paul demonstrates this as a priority when he's writing to the Ephesians and he says, when I first heard of your faith, when I first found out that you had believed, I determined to pray something. And what was it he determined to pray? Have a listen. This is what he said. I keep asking the Lord, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, what? That he may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So, so Paul's priority right from the outset, and I want to in, encourage you, if you're, um, if you're leading someone to Christ, if you're uh, discipling a, a friend or bringing a friend to know the Lord, let this be your prayer as well, that, they might, that God might give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they might know him better because joy and their very life depends on it. I'm going to share this morning on how joy comes from the knowledge of God, but unless the Spirit of God reveals it to us, that is spirit to spirit, they're just going to remain my words and they're not really going to be profitable. Paul says in Corinthians uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he says, That which eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has even entered into the heart of man, these things God has prepared for those that love him, for you and for me. God has prepared these things for us who love him. And it says, God has revealed these things by his Spirit. And so today, let's ask the Holy Spirit to come and help us this morning as we, uh, as we gather around the, the knowledge of God and ask him to, to take these words that are just human words. They're, 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 they're learnings. They're things that I've learned and studied. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to take them and just really quicken them to us as, as impartation, as revelation. Father, we ask this morning that you would send the helper just like you promised. And you said that when he comes, he would guide us into all truth. And today, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come, that you would take the words and you would breathe upon them. You would illuminate them to us and you would make them very life and very truth to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to look at a very familiar passage of Scripture today as we consider these things. There's probably one passage of Scripture that's quoted more than any other passage uh, in the Bible, and that's the Lord's Prayer. I think everybody said the Lord's Prayer at least once or twice or maybe 2,000 times. But there's another passage that's really well known. In fact, I'm going to, I'm going to recite it to you now. It's that well known, and I reckon you, you would have a pretty good chance of reciting it along with me and it goes like this the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside still waters he restores my soul he guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake even though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil because your rod and your staff comfort me you are with me You set a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know it well, Psalm 23. But there's some interesting things that are hidden within this passage. And I want to bring them out today as we consider this. In the Old Testament, there's these these names, they're, they're they become known as the Jehovah or the Yahweh names of God. And they're the way God has self-revealed. He's revealed himself to Israel and therefore he's revealed himself to us through these scriptures. The Bible said that all these things that happened to Israel were written down for our benefit 
upon whom this age of the Spirit has come. So I want to I just unpack how these Yahweh names or these Jehovah names are found in Psalm 23. And we know when Jesus in, in John 10, he said, I am the good shepherd. When he took that, that epitaph, that, that name upon himself, he was saying, I am the shepherd from Psalm 23. He was taking that to himself. So here we go. Number one, the Lord is my shepherd. He is Jehovah Roi, the Lord, my shepherd. He provides for us. He nurtures us. He feeds us. He protects us. That is his nature, his character, and his works. Therefore, I am never in need because he's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, my provider. He provides those things we need. A little bit later on in Philippians, Paul says, And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside peaceful waters. He is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord, our peace. And we're going to see it. A little bit later on, that the peace that passes all understanding will keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He restores my soul or he renews my soul. He is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. He guides me along the paths of righteousness for his, the sake of his name. He is Jehovah Zidkanu, the Lord of righteousness. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, because you are with me, I will fear no harm. He is Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is there. He promises he will never leave us or forsake us. Your rod and your staff give me courage or they comfort me. He is Jehovah Ezer, the Lord my help. And how much more when Jesus said, I'm going to send you another comforter, another helper, the spirit of truth. And he will guide you into all truth. He is with us still. You prepare a banquet for me while my enemies watch. He is Jehovah Nissi, the Lord, our banner of victory. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. He is Jehovah Mkadesh, the Lord, my holiness, the Lord, my sanctification. Certainly goodness and mercy will stay close to me all the days of my life. And I will remain in the Lord's house for days without end, he is Jehovah Kalek, the Lord my portion, or the Lord my inheritance. His goodness and his mercy will follow me. Any of you who have read uh, Exodus chapter 33 and 34, where God reveals himself to Moses, remember what he said. He said, I will cause all my goodness to pass before you. It's, it's like that word goodness sums up who God is. And in the 34, as he declares his name, he says, The Lord, a compassionate and merciful God, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, because this is who he is. You know, it's no surprise that Paul, writing to the Romans, says these wonderful verses. Just listen to this as I read it out to you. I love this passage. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? <laughs> if God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. 
For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised for life and raised uh, to life for us. And he is sitting at the place of honor at God's right hand. Listen to it. Pleading for us. Can anything separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? It goes on to say, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Nothing can separate us from God's love. So all of this comes from the knowledge of God, knowing that God is is my shepherd, knowing that Jesus is my shepherd, that he never leaves us and forsakes us. He supplies all of our needs. So I want to I want to then go on to verse five. I want to show you now that there is this progression. We've been the last couple of times I've been sharing with you. I've talked about these progressions first in the Beatitudes, how there was a progression as we move through the Beatitudes. And then the last time I spoke about uh, joy right at the beginning, there is this progression that leads from one to the other. And you will find this so many times, especially in Paul's writings. He says, he says, understand this so that. You can enter into this. And, uh, and we even see, saw that a bit earlier. So, so let's look at it. He says to us, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. Remember, he said rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in knowing the Lord. When we know the Lord, there's certain things that flow out from that. And number five, verse five continues on. Let your gentleness be evident to all because the Lord is near. Graciousness and gentleness flow on from the knowledge of God. We, we saw that in, in the Beatitudes, it was described as meekness. Meekness is when we have nothing to defend. Who can accuse us? Who can bring a charge against us? No one, the scripture says. We can move and live and walk in graciousness and gentleness because there's nothing to defend. Verse 6 goes on and says, Be anxious. Don't be anxious about anything. So another, another outflowing of this joy in our life or this joyful life is the absence of anxiety. We have nothing to worry about. We have nothing to worry about. Why? Because the Lord is our provider. Because the Lord is our banner. Because the Lord, the scripture says, is our shield and our buckler. Uh, he will guard, I think Pam read it out the other day from Psalm 121. He will guard our going out and our coming in. Because he is with us. You know, as many of you know, Josh is coming back to Australia and, and, you know, we've been communicating back and forth by message and talking about all the things he's got to do. And he's got so much on his plate to get, he had to get, uh, the boys had to become Australian citizens so that they can get an Australian passport, etc., etc. And he'd, he'd rung up and all this sort of stuff. And uh, he was quite anxious about it. And we researched it and said, let's just chill. God's brought you this far. And he will be able to do it. And uh, so he, he got a call through to the, to the embassy in, in London. 
And uh, the lady said, oh, hang on, you've sold your house, you're coming back, uh, let me get back to you. And she rang her boss and then got back to Josh and said, it's all good, it's all under control, um, they've approved your application for the boys to be Australian citizens, and uh, two days later, they were showing us the certificate that came in the mail. And so Noah and Zach are our little, we call them posies, so they're like poms, but they've become Aussies, so they're kind of posies. But the interesting thing is that, you know, when, when we serve a God and we know a God who provides our needs because he's Jehovah Jireh, we don't have to worry about it. All we've got to do, we don't even have to be anxious about it or put thought into it. All we do is we take our need and lay it before God. It says, with, uh, with thanksgiving, present your prayer and your petition to the Lord. And then verse 7, this, the last one. Peace in our emotions and our thoughts and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. How can we have peace and thoughts when all things are falling apart? Because we have nothing to fear. God is with us. You are there. The Bible says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid for you are with me. So let's summarize today. We talked about rejoicing in the Lord, and that rejoicing comes from knowing the Lord. The true knowledge of the Lord is a result of revelation. It's of the Holy Spirit quickening to us and making real to us the fact that God is who he says he is. And then the outworking of our life of that rejoicing in the Lord is a gentleness, nothing to defend. Uh, the absence of anxiety, nothing to worry about. A peace that guards our hearts and minds because we have nothing to fear. So some questions today. You might, be, you might be thinking the question I'm going to ask you is, are you rejoicing? Well, no, that's the wrong question. Some will say joy is the evidence of being a Christian. Well, it isn't. Joy is the evidence of knowing the Lord. And there's, there's a big difference about that. So the real question today is this. Are we growing in grace and the knowledge of God? In other words, are we having the Psalm 23 experience? Or is there a gap between our experience and the experience that David wrote about in Psalm 23? I've got good news for you. If there is, and I'm assuming there is because I sometimes feel there is, there's three things we can do. Number one, we can ask the Holy Spirit to help us because he is the helper. Yeah? The second thing we can do is we can pray for each other that we might know the Lord better. Paul says, I pray for you that God might give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation concerning the knowledge of himself. And the third thing we can do is remember that Jesus lives right now to make intercession for us. Right now, the Bible says that Jesus is at the Father's side pleading for us. Listen to what Hebrews says. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. And then I want to share one more scripture with you, and then I'm done. We, we, we've talked about it before. We've used it before in this series, and I'm going to use it again. Jesus said to the disciples in John 16, 24, Until now you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask. And you will receive so that your joy might be full. I'm going to pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray today that these blessed people, 
God, that have been with us today in the service as we've brought it to them. God, that your spirit would quicken to them who God is, that they might know him. Lord, that you would give them, give us all a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we might know you better. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week, Norley. Bless you. Bye-bye.